The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. One of the most sought after questions that people have in life has to do with identity, has to do with meaning, has to do with purpose. It's one of the questions that we often struggle with, like who am I and what am I doing and what is happening in my life? Oftentimes we go through experiences and moments and when we struggle with these experiences and moments, the question that we ask is that, why is this happening to me? Why does this have to happen the way it is happening to me? And it seems in that moment that nobody else is experiencing any ill or negativity, that everything that is bad, everything that can go wrong is only happening in your life. And so we feel this weight that sits upon us. And so we ask, you know, what's the relevance and what's the purpose of why I'm here? And it's a very important question to ask because in answering that question, a lot of things start to make sense and we are able to walk forward and move forward once we have a grasp on the concept of who we are. Because if you understand who you are, you'll understand why you are and you'll understand what you can or cannot do. If you understand who you are, you understand why you are, and you'll also understand what you can and cannot do. So in answering that question, it sort of sets you up onto the path that you can walk in, and in walking that path, do you find the meaning to life? So, so who am I is the question that we're trying to answer today. Who am I? So we're going to look at the definition of identity. Paul writes to the Thessalonians, and in, in, and in his first letter, as he ends his letter, he introduces a concept that kind of helps us to understand the general makeup or the general concept of how man is built. And so he ends in 1 Thessalonians 5 and 23, and he says, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so he introduces this concept of man being a three-part man, that man is talking about the blessing of the body, the soul, and the spirit. Now, some biblical scholars will say, no, man is two-part, material and amaterial. Other people will say there's four parts to a man. But what Paul introduces here is very significant because it gives us a deeper understanding at the makeup of man that he is in three parts, just like God the Father exists in three parts as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So this is then what we understand from what Paul introduced in the scripture. Man is a spirit who has a soul who lives in a body. Man is a spirit who has a soul and lives in a body. And so the word spirit there is the word pneuma. That's the word spirit that is used when Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians 5 and 23. And so to get a deeper understanding of this is when you go to Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living being. You see the shell that we call a body was already created and it already existed. But there was no life in this shell. There was no nothing to behold except the shell that was, that, was, that was on the ground. And so there was nothing to define what this thing really was. So what gave it life, what gave it meaning, what gave it existence is when God breathed into this body. And when he did so, it became life. 
And so you and I are the breath of God that he breathed into us for us to exist. So we are spirit before we are anything else because that is how God set us up. And so we understand from that fact, because we have the DNA and the structure of God, God himself is spirit. So God is spirit. And him being spirit created me, breathed into this body, the shell, and the spirit of God, the breath of God became who I am today. So in order for me to relate to God, I've got to relate to him in spirit. Which is why when we read John chapter 4 and verse 24, it says, For God is spirit, and they that worship him are worship him where? In? And in? So if I am not functioning within who I am as in spirit, I cannot be connected to God. You see, what sin did when sin entered into this world, it caused a deadness to my spirit. It caused a deadness to the spirit of man. And so man cannot really exist in true nature of what he's supposed to be unless his spirit is connected to God's spirit. Just like a plant cannot grow unless it is rooted in the ground, so too I cannot exist in my true nature unless I'm connected to God. And so I've got to be connected to God in order for me to exist in my true nature. Proverbs 20 and 27 says this, The spirit of a person is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the innermost parts of his being. Say after me, I, I am spirit. And so because the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, and that is how he communicates to us, deep calling unto deep is through the spirit of God with my spirit. And so that means my spirit has to stay alive in him. In order for you to do any good, in order for you to function in, 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 in correctness and in rightness, you have to be connected to God. Because there's no good that's going to come out of the things that come out of the flesh. Every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of light. And I have to be connected in, to him in order for me to do good. Now somebody's going to tell me, well, you know, Tondra, I know some guys do great humanitarian work i don't believe in jesus and you're saying my spirit has to be alive in god in order for me to do good works but i know a bunch of people don't believe in god in fact they do a lot more good for people than christians themselves and so that's what you're going to say to me my first response to that is only god is good first of all number one only god is good so even though I think I am good, even though you think your neighbor is good or your friend is good, nope, only God is good. Yeah. Second of all, if I'm not alive in Christ and my spirit is not connected to God, I cannot be who I am supposed to be. So here's the thing. To understand the nature of who, who I am or the nature of what a thing is, you have to go to the creator. Yeah. The one who created that thing is the one that's going to give you definition of what that thing is and how it's supposed to exist. So the same argument is like this. If I get a box, okay, and this is a nice box, and I, I, put, I put a cushion on this very nice box, and then I sit on this box with this comfy cushion that's on top of this box, and I sit on it, and I'm comfortable, and I say, this shall become my seat. It shall become my couch and it's actually even more comfortable than actual couches it's still a box it's still a box no matter how much 
You try and spruce it up. No matter how much you try and connect this and that and make it look different, it's still a box. So in the same vein, anybody who is doing good outside of God, that's why they don't make it to heaven just because you're doing good. To make it to heaven, you have to be connected, your spirit, to his spirit because then you begin to function in what he intended for you to function as, what he created you to be. And when you walk in that, then you walk in the true revelation of who you are. So doing humanitarian work and doing good deeds is not the key to heaven. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Not a way, not an option, which means if you want to be connected to the Father, you have to go through Jesus. And when he says, I'm the way, he's also talking about the way of thinking and the way of processing. So when I'm connected to Jesus, when I'm connected and my spirit is alive in him, it means my thinking is aligned with God. My thinking is aligned with God. That's why Psalm 37 and verse 4 says what? Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. That means if I am connected to God in the way that I'm supposed to be, my desires are shaped in accordance to his will and his way. And those desires are correct because they reflect who I really am. So if I'm not delighting myself in the Lord, if I'm not delighting myself in the Lord, if I'm not connected to him, it doesn't matter what I do. It's still going to be out of order. Because only the creator knows exactly why I am on this, world, I'm on this earth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And the life speaks to identity. The life speaks to who I am. Because in John, remember, it says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. And it was with God in the beginning. Without him was nothing made that has been made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. So if you don't see the life, that means you have no light. That means you're walking in darkness. So that life speaks to who you are. So you want to know who you are? Let your spirit be connected to God. Now we're going to talk a little bit about the body. Now the word that's used for body there is the word soma. And so the body is a temple. See, the way this thing is set up is in my body, my body is what allows for me to function in this earth. For me to relate to the things of this world or to the things of this earth, I need to have a body. Without a body, you can actually, actually as a spirit that does not have a body, that spirit is illegally here. That is why Jesus had to come in the form of a man. And not just blow in as a spirit and begin to make influence. He had to follow the legal right and the word that God had put in and the principles that had been set. And so he had to come as a man. So the body is a temple. And Paul writes to this again for us to understand it better. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body, in your spirit, which are God's. So this body of mine is a temple. It's a housing mechanism. 
That's what it's there for. Because then at the point at which we die, Ecclesiastes 12 and 7, for then the dust will return to the earth and the spirit will return to God who gave it. So when I die, when any of us die, the body returns to the earth and the spirit to God who made it. So this body is a housing mechanism. But there's something else about this body that's important for us to understand. This thing has desires. <laughs> oh, yeah, you all know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> this thing here has desires. And so this is what the Bible says. Galatians 5 and 17. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing, finish it with me, the things you want to do. I, I'm free. I can do whatever I want. I can do whatever I want. Nobody controls me. Right? That's the concept of freedom that we have. Nobody tells me what to do. I can do whatever I want. But the truth about it is, their desires that the spirit has given you remember delight yourself in the lord and he will give you the desires of your heart but the flesh also has desires so the question is which desires are you following you who was free not influenced by nobody you who don't listen to nobody you who say i do my way my way is it really your way And so we have to understand what's happening here. We have to understand what's happening here. Is that the body is a very conniving housing mechanism that has its own little niggly desires that are there against God. And so I'm going to be in a constant battle here. And, and, and you know how deep this thing is? If you read Romans chapter 7, Paul is talking about the law, right? And you all know this, especially if you, have, if you have kids. You probably understand. You don't even have to have kids. You know yourself. So when the law is given, he says, when the law is given, before the law was given, I did not know what coveting was. I had no idea. That's Romans chapter 7. He says, I had no idea what coveting was. Then when the law says, thou shalt not covet, then the body decided, oh, I want this coveting thing. <laughs> I want to have me some of this coveting. Right? It's the same man I want to tell my daughter, don't do that. That's the very thing she wants to do. Right? It's like when we're given instructions. You know, like when you come in church and we say, hey, can you feel the front row seats before you sit in the back? Everybody wants to go to the back. The moment that there's a law, the moment that there's a rule, the flesh then wakes up and says, it's my time to show you what I can do. Because I've got my own setup going on here. So don't let them tell you what to do. But it's the flesh that's coming alive. And so that's a struggle. Pray without ceasing. Pastor Sarah said that yesterday. Right? How many of y'all bodies went, man, that's impossible. I don't even know if we can do that. We have a Be Transformed journal. That you're supposed to bring with you every time you come to church. It ain't going to happen. 
My body steps in. <laughs> By week four, man, I don't know. I have no idea where this thing is. This is a bad plan. That's the body. So every time a righteous law is laid down, the body is coming in and giving off its own desires. And so that's why Romans chapter 12 verse 1 exists. Therefore, I urge you, brothers. I'm going to phrase it the way that I like it. I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your reasonable worship. Okay? Ever think about what that verse means? It's not like I'm going to put my head on an altar, take an axe, and (laughs) chop my head off, right? So how am I offering my body as a living sacrifice? I am shutting down the body's desires. And I'm saying my desires that are coming from my flesh are not going to have power over me. I'm shutting down the senses and what they're calling me to do that is unholy. And even though I desire it, even though I want it, I'm saying, shut up. It's my time to worship God. It's my time to do what God has called me to do. That's offering your body as a living sacrifice. Because guess what? When you got saved, the body didn't follow. The body decided, oh, I ain't going with you there. I got my own identity. And so we're going to have to battle this body thing. And so that's why I have to offer it as a living sacrifice. Because this is what the body does. The body connects to the world. And there are three things that we struggle with. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Those are the three things that we struggle with. And the world offers it in abundance. And your body sees it and then goes, this is what we want. (laughs) This is what we desire. Because the body has its own desires. But there's a particular place where this battle is taking place. So we talked about the spirit and we talked about the body. But we want to talk about the soul. And the Greek word for soul, there's the word psych. And it's made up of three parts. The will... The intellect and the emotions. Your will, your intellect, and your emotions make up your soul. So everything that we're hearing, whether it is from the spirit or it's from the body, is being communicated to the soul. So when you see that commercial ice cream, is that appealing to your is that your spirit that's being, that's, that, that they're appealing to when they show you the commercial with the ice cream or with the car? Or when you watch HGTV and you see those luxurious houses and you say, I want me one of those. Do you think that's appealing to the spiritual part of you? Or it is your body that calls for those things? Wow. What is it? And so when you see it with your eyes, again, the body for us to live in, here functions through the senses. And I've been messing this up every time I've tried this. So if I mess it up, psh, that's what it is. It's, it's hearing, right? And then it's taste. And then sound. Help me. Exactly. Exactly. You all are very smart people. And I'm so grateful for that. And so the body is going through all these different functions. And when it sees, smells, touches, and whatever, it then creates the desire. 
And that desire is communicated to the soul. And then what happens in the soul is you have emotions. And then what we say, I feel. Like if I have me a Tesla, I'll be able to preach the gospel a lot better because I'll be able to get to the destination I'm going to a lot quicker if I have a Tesla. I feel. If I have an 85-inch screen television hanging up on my wall, I'll be able to see Pastor Josh preaching on a Sunday and it's almost like I'm in service. Right? Because the body then gives you a little remix there to make it seem like it's holy. So I feel. And we love saying that. I feel. This is what I feel. This is what my emotions are telling me. But if the influence is coming from the flesh, remember the flesh's desires are contrary to what? The spirit. So what, what I want my emotions to tell me is what the spirit is telling me. That's what, what I want my emotions to tell me. On oh, the intellect. Oh, don't get on the intellect. Okay. Man, I love it when Pastor Josh talked a little bit about politics, right? It's the intellect. You know that the Bible says there's a way that seems right to a man? We all think our opinions are right and solid. The way I see it is so solid and so airtight, there's no problem with how I'm seeing this vision. All them Democrats got issues. Get rid of all those people, life is great. Or if you're a Democrat, get rid of all those Republicans and we will be excellent. We will live with love and peace and tranquility. No hate. And it seems so airtight in your mind. You think that the way you're seeing is true and wholesome and holy and there's no gaps. And you're quickly opening up Genesis, Revelation, Levit there it is in Leviticus, I found it. The way I'm thinking is the right way to think. And then you take it up and you put it on Instagram, you mic drop, <laughs> I'm right. But this is your soul being influenced by your body. Because there is a right way to say that Jesus loves you. And some of us expect righteousness out of people that don't even have a relationship with Jesus. And we expect righteousness out of them. You need to stop wearing that and then you'll be okay. You ain't no more righteous than they are. The righteousness that you have comes from Jesus Christ. So now you're preaching them what to do when they're already righteous and you're asking them to do it in the flesh. How's that working for you? How are you doing in trying to establish righteousness in the flesh? How's that going? Because that's where the problem arises when I try to achieve the holiness of God and I use the strength of my flesh. Do you know what Paul says? I put no confidence in the flesh. Put no confidence. Zero. I do not have confidence that my flesh will lead me to do righteous things. Or will lead me to do, to do good. Or will lead me to a good relationship with Jesus. Put no confidence in my flesh. Man, I remember when I was six, and maybe you did this. So I used to ride the bus to school. 
And I would go three different buses to get to school. Right? So I'm on the bus. I know I've messed up. My mom doesn't know about it. But I know I'd messed up. Okay? And so this is what I'll say to, me, to myself. From now on, I'm going to be good. From now on, I'm going to make the right decisions. And 20 minutes later, oh, I'm back. Because I was trying to achieve righteous means with the flesh. You heard pray without ceasing. Your flesh told you it was impossible. What does your spirit say? You heard yesterday, go deeper into the things of God. Can God be on your mind in everything that you do? Your flesh said, nah, it doesn't work that way. What did your spirit say? You keep hearing about going deeper into the word. You keep hearing about understanding the fundamentals of the Christian life. You keep hearing that it is a work. You've got to study to show yourself approved as a man who can correctly handle the word of truth. You keep hearing that study aspect and your flesh says it cannot be done. Your flesh says you have a life. Your flesh says you got things to do. You got places to go. That's what your flesh says. And now you've got these perfect excuses as to why you don't follow Jesus. As to why you're not getting deeper. As to why you're not going to be established. But this world was not built on excuses. Imagine if God made an excuse. Where would this world be? He said, nah, I ain't creating oxygen because I just ran out of time. You don't understand how difficult it is just to make an animal. So after I made an animal, I was tired. So there was no oxygen. How would this world function if God made excuses? Are you not happy that God does not make excuses? That he who watches over Israel, over you and me, neither slumbers nor sleeps. He is always available 24-7. And he does not have an excuse not to answer your prayer. And he wants to connect with you in your spirit. So when you see Matthew eleven twenty nine, 29, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. That yoke is easy if you're walking in spirit. In 1 John, John again writes and he says that commands of the Lord are not burdensome. Do you know where they are burdensome? In the flesh. Do you know where they're easy? In spirit. Because that's what I used to think. I used to think Christianity is coming here to take out all the fun. Because you know I want to go dancing. If I become saved, I might not be able to go dancing anymore. I like to watch those kinds of movies. If I become saved, I won't be able to do that anymore. Can you even play cards as a Christian? (laughs) Board games, are they allowed? (laughs) But that was me translating the gospel of Jesus Christ in the flesh. But you see, when I'm in the spirit, I will realize that David said he danced for the Lord. 
So you ain't taking away dance, you're just introducing the real kind of dance. The dance that leads to the glory of God, to the glory of what he desires out of my life. That's when I dance in a holy way. He ain't taking away the games. Now the games are wholesome and fun and they're not destructing me. They're not leading me to a place of utter destruction. So I want you to say after me, God God is fun. And even after you have gained everything that your flesh so desires, you will not be complete. We have a saying, you can ask my mom and see if I'm right. So now you can check out and see, do you really have a saying? (laughs) But we have a saying back where I live that the ground is never satisfied. This is in relation to life. When, the, when people are always dying and we put them in the ground and the ground is never satisfied. So people are always dying. Your flesh is never satisfied. That is why in Ecclesiastes, the wise man said, I, I did not even withhold myself anything. Everything I wanted, I gave myself. You got to read this stuff. He says, I gave myself everything that my heart desired. And I found that it was vanity it was useless so all those things that you're desiring that you think will complete you it's all vanity it's all useless that's why he writes to the end young man enjoy your life do everything that your hearts desire but remember the lord because that's where you're going to find true meaning of who you are and who he created you to be That's why on the parable, Jesus says in Matthew 16 and verse 26, what will it profit a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? So even after you have gained all these things that you think will make your life great, your soul is forfeited because your soul is not connected to your spirit. Matthew 10 and 39, whoever finds their life will lose it and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. If I'm going to find life and meaning through the things I possess, through the things that I have, I'm going to lose it. And here's another thing. If I'm going to find the meaning of life to be, it's great because I'm happy and it's not because I'm unhappy, I'm going to lead myself down a path of destruction. You know, the Bible never promises happiness. The kingdom of God is about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Not happy. So that means I can be unhappy and I'm raising my holy hands up in church and believing God for a breakthrough for my life. I can have a feeling that things are not going the way that they need to go, but I know that I know that God is my breakthrough. So I'm not going to follow my feelings because my feelings, they're just looking for what my flesh is saying sometimes. So I'm not going to put no confidence in that. What I put confidence in is this word. So Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, because this is where the battle is happening. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? The renewal of your mind. That by testing... You may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. The renewing of your mind. 
the renewing of your mind. Guys, right now you have a thought in your mind that is wrong. That is totally off. That is leading you down a path of destruction. Right now the influence of the flesh can be so tight that you're making excuses to not do the things that God has called you to do. And you're not going to be able to see it unless your mind is renewed. You cannot live life with one understanding and think that you will act differently. Hear me. I'm calling somebody out right now because you're making decisions that lead you to destruction and you knew it at first, but you got in so deep, now you cannot see it. Now everything to you seems like it's righteous and it's okay, but this path leads to destruction. And you will not be able to see it unless you allow the renewing of your mind. How am I going to do this? How am I going to let my mind be renewed? Because you see, we have a problem of sin, right? We have a problem of sin. How am I going to allow my mind to be renewed? Okay, Romans chapter 7. It kind of gives us a whole summation again. You want to read that whole chapter 7 of Romans. It's, 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 it's amazing because it, it describes exactly what happens to us. Paul says, whenever I want to do good, evil is right there with me. Therefore, the thing that I want to do is the thing that I don't want to do. And so it is no longer I that does it, but it is the sin nature in me. So that battle that's constantly going on of my flesh tugging at my soul, trying to get me to walk on the path that is contrary to God, and my spirit also pulling, also trying to pull at me. And so I have this constant battle that goes on inside of me. And so Paul says, how am I going to be freed from this? How am I going to renew my mind? And the renewal of my mind is not an incident. It's not one day. It's not one sitting. It's not one class. It's not one video. But it's a continual renewal of the mind. That is why you come to church. You want to know why you come to church? It's because you constantly want to sit under the word of the Lord so that your mind can constantly be renewed and challenged. Because why? Romans 7, 24 and 25. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subjected to to, to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. Who is Jesus? Is he not the word of God incarnate? Does the Bible not tell us that the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us? So if Jesus is the word, how is he going to rescue me from this? Hebrews 4 and 12. For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our inmost thoughts and desires. So the word of God is there to expose whether those feelings are really godly or not. Whether those thoughts, that intellectual aspect of you, whether it's really godly or not. And so that means what? You've got to know the word. That's right. yeah. 
Some of us are here, we're struggling with decisions about life. And we hardly get into the word. So that's why I love what Pastor Sarah was saying yesterday. I don't know if you caught it. I don't know if you allowed your spirit to catch it. Because again, she's always shooting at us. Have you ever noticed? She's always shooting at us. But if you take that with an ouch and, oh my gosh, I wish you'd just pipe it down a little bit. You're not going to hear the word that is coming out of her mouth when she's telling us. Because what she's saying is, I've got to have a relationship with this word. I've got to have a relationship with Jesus that is so tight that I'm not allowing the enemy to infiltrate my thoughts and move me away from my blessing. We feel insufficient and we feel like we lack because of the things that we do not possess. And yet the Bible tells us that we have Jesus who is our portion. Do you want things or do you want Jesus? What would you rather have? So I feel I'm not complete because I don't have a husband yet. I am married. I'm not complete. No. No ma'am. No ma'am. You are complete in him. You lack no good thing. I feel I'm not complete because... I'm in my 50s and I don't have my house yet. You know, some people, they're 26 years old and they already have three, four houses. I'm 50 years old and I don't have a house yet. No, sir, you are complete because you are complete in him. You lack no good thing. His divine power has given you everything you need for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called you by his own glory and goodness. So what I got to know is I got to know this Jesus. I got to know the truth that he professes about me. And as I know that, I know who I am. And not only do I know who I am, I know whose I am. The Bible talks of salvation. It says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is I that no longer lives, but it is Christ who lives in me. Did you get that part? It is I that no longer. I no longer live. You know what that means? That means my passions, my desires are going to be subject to the cross. So I can do this gospel thing without three houses. I can do this gospel thing without a wife. I can do this gospel thing without a husband. I will be what God called me to be without all these things. Because I no longer live. But it is him who lives in me. So in order for you to get this. In order for you to get this. Because that's the problem that we have with sin. A constant battle that is happening in the soul. The spirit trying to influence the soul. And the body also trying to do the same. Okay? So this is who we are. Three part beings. We are spirit. Possessing a soul. And living in a body. And that there is a battle that is constantly happening. For the fight of my attention. But this thing has to become personal to you. Because if it is not personal... As to who you are, you're always going to struggle. Because I too am spirit. The person next to you is spirit. So what differentiates you from them? You're going to have to take a personal journey. The definition of who you are is not going to happen in a week or a day. If it takes all of eternity to understand God who created you, 
Why would it take two days to understand who you are? If you're made in the image of God and you are spirit as he is spirit, why would it take two days? Why would it take a week? That means it's a journey that you have to commit to taking. You have to make a decision to take this journey. One of the messages that if you go back, Pastor Josh once, once talked about this also, is the acronym SHAPE. Use the word acronym SHAPE. Right? This might not be in your notes, but SHAPE. Spiritual gifts, your heart, your abilities, your personality, and your experience. So SHAPE is an acronym. Your spiritual gifts, your heart, your abilities, your personality, and experience. Please go find that message that Pastor Josh preached on and, and start looking at those things and how to begin to figure out who you are. What makes you you and differentiates you from the next person? But I want to give you a starting point. Okay? I want to give you a starting point tonight. I want to give you seven things before we leave that I want you to walk in this with true confidence. Now, you, you, you might think this is a foregone conclusion that everybody has this. But I'm telling you, people struggle on a daily with what I'm about to say. The first thing that I want you to know is you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5 and 21. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Did you hear what I said? You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And then your flesh says, yeah, but you know what your eyes were looking at yesterday? You ain't righteous. You know where you go on Friday nights. You ain't righteous. You know those things you're struggling with. You are not righteous. Listen. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. In your flesh. Well. But in Christ Jesus. You are the righteousness of God. I want you to declare it. If you want to write these things down, tape them on your, on your, on your mirror or, or put a card somewhere in your car and declare these things so that your, your soul can pick it up from your spirit. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's why when we pray, we pray in the name of Jesus. Because when I do that in the name of Jesus, God has taken away my sin. So when God is looking at me because of what Jesus did, he sees a righteous tonderai. Because of what Jesus did. Do you understand? That is why what Jesus did is so magnificent and awesome. Because now I can boldly, boldly approach the throne of grace. Number two. You are a land of delight. You are a land of delight. Malachi 3 and 12. Then all the nations will call you blessed. For you will be a land of delight says the Lord of hosts. Listen to me. You are worth investing in. You are worth investing in. This church is about to spend $5 million to get a new building. That building is an investment in you. It's an investment in you that you will continue to hear the word of God. That you will continue to find ministry so that you can do the good works that you were called to. You are a good land to sow in. 
So don't let the bank tell you when you're trying to start a business that we cannot give you money because of this. You just keep on saying, I'm a land of delight. I'm going to get my breakthrough. I'm a land of delight. I am worth sowing into. Don't let people tell you that you are unable. Well, you don't fit this criteria, so there's something wrong with you, so we cannot. No, I am a land of delight. That is why this house will spend whatever it needs in order to bring souls here. But not only to bring them here, but to invest in them so that they go in the way that they're supposed to go. You were blessed in the heavenly places with every spiritual blessing. You are blessed in the heavenly places with every spiritual blessing. Ephesians 1 and 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. I was sitting next to Pastor Ken and they said uh, about the song, you know, that you know, if, even if you can't sing, you make a joyful noise. And Pastor Ken probably says to me, no, I got this. <laughs> I got that gift. <laughs> right? So then it's easy for me to say, well, I don't. I don't have that gift that Pastor Ken has, so I must be less than. Because I don't have the same gift that he has. Let me tell you something. You're blessed with every spiritual blessing. Man, if they ain't no band and you're the person available, when you begin to sing, even though you don't have that talent, it is going to be a good, joyful noise to the Lord. And worship is going to be happening in that place. With Pastor Ken and his amazing voice and mine with my half amazing voice, we're still going to bring down the presence of God. So I lack no good thing. You look at somebody else and you say, man, they've got a prophetic gift. They've got this gift and that gift and this and the other. You have access to all of those gifts. Because at the moment that you need it, you've got to trust God that he will show up and let you experience and use it. So you lack no good thing. Number four, you are a royal priesthood. A people belonging to God. 1 Peter 2.9 But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who calls you out of darkness into his wonderful light. I know whose I am. Let me tell you something. How many of you all trust God? Okay. Some hands are just typing. I'll just choke it down to that. You're writing. That's why you didn't raise your hand. It's okay. I'll forgive you. I belong to God and I trust him. Do you think God loses his possessions? Do you think God is like you and me when we lose our keys and <laughs> can't find them? God's like, where's he, man? <laughs> I just lost him again. Do you think that's what happens with God? Remember Jesus' prayer in John chapter 17? He said, I pray that none of them are lost. That you have put in my hand. So if I am his possession. That means he will guide me along. He will show me the path that I ought to go in. And on top of that. I am royalty. Do you understand what that means? You check it. The queen of England. She ain't worked a day in her life. (laughs) You think she's out there sitting down doing accounting and stuff? No. But do you think she eats? Do you think she sleeps in a house? She sleeps in Buckingham Palace. Because she's royal. 
You were royal. You were royal. Yeah, yeah but Donra, you don't understand. I have no place to sleep right now, and I don't know. Man, it's time for you to say, okay, something's amiss here. Because this Bible is telling me that I am royal. This Bible is telling me that I'm the possession of God. This Bible is telling me that I've seen, I've been young and now I'm old, and I've never seen the righteous forsaken or the children begging for bread. That's what this thing is telling me, and this is happening in my life. Then it's time to get into your closet and say, God, something ain't right here. Because I believe what you're saying about me, but I ain't seeing it. You better bring it my way. You better show me the path. That's what you do. You don't then say, well, that's what it is. I'm always going to live without a home. I'm always going to have no car. I'm always going to live single. I'm always going to be called the divorcee. Listen, you might have done what they say you did, but you're not who they say you are. You are a child of the living God. His possession. His delight. Number five. You are fearfully and wonderfully made in his sight. Yeah, but you don't know I got that big nose thing going on. I look at them magazines and I'm nowhere near that. Struggle. I look at all these other people and, you know, last time I went and we were talking with my mom, he said... You know, you see somebody wearing a nice shirt. You go, oh, man, that shirt is nice. Then you decide to go buy it. It doesn't look as nice as when you put it on. All of a sudden, nice shirt doesn't look so nice. And some of us sit in depression because of these things. But I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. In his image. Now, if you've got to work on things, you work on things with confidence. If you're saying it's time for me to lose some excess weight, it's time for you to lose some excess weight. Not, oh, I gotta lose excess weight. If you do that and you let yourself think that way, it will not happen. After you eat that chocolate cake, the next thing you say is, man, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm gonna get this right. But if you say to yourself, I just had another chocolate cake. I'm so terrible. I cannot function it well as a man thinks. So is he. So after you eat it, you get up and you say, man, I'm going to get this right. I'm going to get my diet right because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made in him. I'm going to be able to work out because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made in him. Because as I keep thinking this, I will get there. Number six, you are not tempted beyond what you can bear. Well, there goes the excuse. I fell, right? That's what we say in the Christian church. I fell. I fell away from grace. I let myself be tempted. We're all tempted. You know why? We all have bodies. Do you know how we grow up to be able to handle temptations? Again, it's the word of God. How can a young man keep his way pure? Thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. The reason you do not see the way that you can stand up under it is because you don't have enough word. Your depth of word will determine the depth of strength you have to stand up against temptation. Because remember how Jesus answered the devil? It is So when you tell me, I've got people who tell me, no, 
You know, there's no way to stand up under it. It's just a difficult thing. Temptation is just going to come and it's just going to happen. To stand up under it, you've got to have word in you. But the truth of the matter is, there's nothing that's coming your way that is more powerful than the God whom you serve. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Number seven. Love this. No weapon. No weapon formed against you is able to prosper. No weapon. That means the things that you're boss is conjuring up to bring you to destruction, it ain't going to prosper. That means the things that the neighbors are planning to break you apart, it ain't going to prosper. That means when the politicians are planning ill, it ain't going to prosper. So you can go ahead and sleep at night. Doesn't matter who's president. Because no weapon fashioned is able to prosper. So I want you to stand in confidence. No weapon. No weapon fashioned. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7. I'm going to paraphrase a whole lot of this, but Paul writes and says, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. That the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We have this treasure. This righteousness, this relationship with God, we have it on the inside of us. But we are struck down. How many of you all have felt pain? Yeah? I'm right there with you. How many of you all have had to endure some sleepless nights and some struggles? So we are struck down, but we're never destroyed. We can face persecution, but it will never overcome us. We can face difficulty, but it is not going to separate us from the love of God. No weapon. Listen, new song. Everything that's going to happen this year, everything, everything that's going to happen this year is coming to ask you one question Who are you? When the bills become difficult and you're not able to pay those bills and things feel like it's flooding, the question is, who are you? That's why those bills are, those bills are asking you. Who are you? Are you the one who's going to cower away? Walk away from the things that you know to be true because life has thrown at you difficulties and difficult situations. Who are you? Because you don't know your full capacity of what you can do. And it takes a circumstance to discover it. And when the circumstance hit, it's coming to ask, what do you have on the inside of you? What is your capacity? Will you cower away? The Bible says if my righteous one should shrink back, I will not be pleased with him. Will you shrink back? Are you going to allow yourself to be like Caleb and Joshua and say, give me the hill country. Don't give me what's easy. Give me the hill country. Don't ask that things become easier. Ask that you become stronger. 
because they're not going to get easy the only reason it seems easy for the person next to you is because they're getting stronger in who they are and if you decide to get stronger in who you are you will realize that you are an overcomer you will realize that God has set you up to do great and mighty things today today forget the former things right now forget it forget the struggles Forget what you've decided to call yourself and say, I struggle. I just, forget that. Today, press on towards the things that God has called you to. Make the decision. Blocks Conference 2022. This is the year I press on. This is the year I don't let my flesh create an excuse for me. This is the year I push forward. This is. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.